This is the Goalkeeper Roundtable, hosted by Dr. Bill Steffen, with co-hosts Jeff Shook, Dave LaTourette, and George Costellis. Welcome back to the Goalkeeper Roundtable. In episode 12, we have a terrific conversation with Mike Novotny, professional goalkeeper playing for Hartford Athletic in the USL Championship. Mike took a somewhat non-traditional and persistent approach to the professional level after playing NCAA Division I soccer at Eastern Illinois University. Mike is humble, determined, and driven. There are so many nuggets to take away from this episode, whether you are a coach or a player. So let's dive in with Dr. Bill, GK, Shooky, Lotto, and Big Mike. Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, pick one, um, and welcome to the Goalkeeper Roundtable. Um, Today we have a, a very interesting guest because it will be great to hear his background and his kind of path to where he is now, Mike Novotno from uh, Hartford Athletic. So, um, Mike, uh, this is the crew. Um, we've had a chance to chat just before this, so everybody's a little bit comfortable with things. Um, why don't you start off with just giving us uh, kind of like your situation and your background, how you got to where you are now? Yeah, so... Uh... Currently, I am at Hartford Athletic, like you said, in the USL Championship. Um, definitely wasn't the uh, normal route, I think, to get here. Uh, definitely took some different paths along the way. Uh, starting off, uh, let me start with, like my, my youth career, um, played club soccer just outside of Chicago uh, for Strikers Fox Valley. Uh, pretty much my whole youth career until my senior year of high school. And that's when I, I did the unthinkable, and I went to the rival uh, the rival club uh, in the same town. But it was, uh, I think, the best move for me. That I moved to Campton United. And uh, after that, I went to college at Eastern Illinois University, which is in uh, central Illinois, uh, a little smaller, Division One, in the Summit League. Um, definitely... Uh, Got a lot of action in those four years, and I think that that kind of helped me um, improve and just uh, kind of sort of helped my drive and just really um, – I really wanted to continue uh, playing soccer afterwards. Um, so uh, in the summers in in college, I would be training with uh, – back home uh, – a, com- or a a club called Bridges and every summer they would actually go to um, uh, Denmark and Sweden uh, to play teams uh, in the Superliga in Denmark all the way to like Division 1, Division 2 and also uh, Super Atan in Sweden and just kind of get people exposed overseas into the Scandinavian area and then um, hopefully with those people that are out out of college looking to find a team that they can get a trial and go. and then, so I did that my junior and my senior year, and I, I knew I, I truly wanted to pursue uh, going and trying to go on to the next level. And um, my senior year was a little bit different in terms of uh, school. So I, um, my first semester, I, I took a bunch of classes and um, kind of loaded up my first semester. So my second semester, I can do online. So uh my second semester was a little crazy. So I remember starting off, I went into preseason with uh, Portland Timbers 2. Uh, was there all of preseason? Um, last day I got cut, uh, which was uh, kind of a big blow for me. That was, uh, wasn't really expecting that. Just the last, I thought I, w- I made I made through about seven rounds of cuts. So it was um, all of a sudden something that hit me pretty hard. Um, after that, I went back to school, uh, and trained with my team for, uh, the last couple months. And I, I actually got a call from, uh, a coach that I, uh, I went to a Midwest pro combine for, uh, Eric Rudland, who is now the coach at, uh, AFC and Arbor. And he's like, listen, I have, um, two season ending injuries for goalkeepers. Uh, what do you think about coming out in a week and playing for a team 
for this MPSL season. I was like, yes, 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 a thousand times yes. Um, and I, I think uh, that was a great move for me. Uh, I got I got games in for a very good team. We had some very good players across the whole board and very uh, solid practice and coaching. And obviously with Shooky in here, um, definitely learned a lot from him and uh, could take a lot away from him with the coaching and uh, and the and the sessions he put out. But uh, after that, um, I ended up going to Sweden for a couple months, um, played in the northern part of Sweden uh, in a village of a thousand people. That was a that was a really interesting um, experience, but uh, definitely something that I think helped me grow a little bit more and made me realize that I did want to play uh, in the United States. So um, after I came back home, uh, just was pushing myself as much as I can to get into trials and do whatever I can to uh, get my foot in the door somewhere in the United States. And um, I remember uh, some trials came and went and uh, I remember end of December, I got a, I got a call from um, Hartford Athletic and uh, actually my Eric Rudland, again, my coach at ASC Ann Arbor had a, a contact through our assistant coach um, who, who was the assistant coach last year at, uh, at uh, Hartford Athletic. And he uh, said they were looking for a keeper and uh, kind of ended up there. And um, I've been here ever since. So it's uh, really enjoyed my time here and it's, Definitely um, with the coaching, obviously, of George last year and uh, some of this year, it's I feel like I've grown a lot as a keeper and uh, definitely still progressing and still learning. So um, definitely a weird path of getting to my my dream of playing in the, in the U.S., but uh, finally got here and just kind of keep going from there. Good, good, great. Um, that isn't the perhaps traditional path, but that's – all the more reason is probably going to be more memorable for you, Hugh, I hope. Um, good, good. Um, if, if we were to say, uh, if you were to say, what does Mike do well as a goalkeeper? What does Mike do well? I think the biggest thing uh, for me is I never want a coach to tell me I'm not working hard. Um, I'm always going to bring 110% wherever I go. Uh, my my uh, my focus is always going to be on the training session, no matter what. Um that's the biggest thing for me is I don't want to ever t have a coach not play me or not give a reason to play me because I'm not giving my all. So uh, I think I'll be the hardest working guy on the pitch every single time. Great. Good. I, I very much appreciate as a smaller goalkeeper, I very much appreciate uh, work rate and that yeah. type of attitude. Um, given the, the variety of your background, um, are there, <laughs> Please feel free, if it, whether they're good or bad. But are there memorable moments, memorable games, perhaps memorable events, as you progress to where you are now? So a couple point out to me a little bit. Um, I had one in college that kind of got me. Uh, I think a couple looks until after college, uh, and then um, so in college, I, I remember playing Western Michigan um, at our place, and this is when they were seventh in the country. Um, we ended up tying them at uh, zero zero on our field, and I think I had sixteen or seventeen saves, and one was a PK save. Uh, I've never been so tired after a game in my life. <laughs> but, uh, Both physically and mentally. Yeah, seriously, it was. I, I remember going right to bed after that game. <laughs> Everyone else was like celebrating. I'm just like, oh, I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, just uh, I remember that game, and then um when we played uh, University of Denver, um, they were in our conference, so we played them every year. Remember we played them on Halloween, my, my sophomore year, and another, we, we didn't get the result that game, but I thought that was one of my, my better games in college. Um, just the man in the band in the box and then just uh, trying to, trying to keep that clean sheet as much as I could. Um, but after college, I think, um, uh, some of the games that stood out to me, uh, I think one in Ann Arbor uh, when I was there, when when we played um, Detroit City FC at our place. So if you don't know, AFC Ann Arbor and Detroit City uh, hate each other. Uh, <laughs> it's a big rivalry. Uh, Proper Derby. Yeah. yeah. 
So it was, um, I remember uh, that game when we played it at our place, they, they brought in like over a thousand fans away from at like wow. at our place. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but um, I think we, that was the best we played there and uh, came up with some big saves and then a big time goal at the end from our defender in stoppage time when we ended up winning one zero and um, definitely was one of, one of the more memorable games because uh, after that we wanted a little string of games. I think we only allowed four goals all season. So um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a great team, a uh, great team effort the whole year for sure. But uh, just some little ones like, those ones are definitely stood out to me just because of um, just because of uh, uh, performances and stuff like that. One that stood out to me last year uh, was one I didn't even play in um, for uh, different reasons. But uh, on Father's Day here, actually last year, um, the club actually, uh, well, m my father passed when I got back from Sweden from cancer and um one of the things that uh, my team did last year on Father's Day was everyone wore uh, an armband with um, my father's initials on there. And oh. that's just something that I'll never forget. Like, I'll, I that's didn't special. play in the game. Yeah, I didn't play in the game. I didn't play one minute. But that's one game I think that'll sting out to me even over those three games that I mentioned before. It's just the, the, the respect and then just um, – just everything from the team to the staff and to the coaches that they did that they went out of their way to to make that happen they, that was that was amazing so um i think that was the biggest one for me and that one i didn't even play in so <laughs> little things well no but that's interesting right because you think that again i just met you but i i gotta think that that probably it's due a lot to your own character your influence on your teammates for them to do something like that when you're not playing that, I think that speaks well of you. So I think your, your dad will be proud. Um, good. Lado, did you have something? Yeah. Yeah. One of two things. One is he talked about going to a, a small division one school at, at Eastern Illinois, but a little trivia that I think people maybe don't know about Eastern Illinois is I think they played in a couple of final fours and lost to the university of Connecticut two to one in 1981. Uh, UConn won the national championship that year beating Alabama a&M uh, in the final. So uh, a little a little history at Eastern Illinois, too. Shellis Hinman, I think, was the coach yep. uh, back at that time, too. So Shellis coach? Way, way, way more history wow. from that program that was an NAIA school, became a D2 school, became a D1 school, and always had a lot of success. So just And I think trivia. in 69, they actually won it. So, yep. Uh, yep. yeah. Back in the ago. day, Billy. Back in the day. Wow. That's even better <laughs> than me. So I want to um, go back. You talked about the Western Michigan game and, and what you experienced um, after that game. And um, I talked to a lot of goalkeepers, especially my collegiate goalkeepers, that when we finish a game, and I remember finishing games like this, and, and I think we all, all have that experience at the level where we played at or we were committed to, is I, I remember finishing games, um, and it took a little bit of time when the adrenaline wore off and the endorphins wore off you were mentally exhausted as much as physically. And I remember some matches just be the way matches went being more mentally tired after the games. Um, talk a little bit to that in terms of your experiences now, but maybe specifically maybe that match or whatever it is. Cause I'm seeing now a lot of times goalkeepers who aren't engaged or don't find a way to be engaged or even know what it means to be engaged for 80 or, or 90 minutes. And for me, it wasn't always, you're not always yelling, you're not always saving. Um, and we've discussed in some of our earlier podcasts and discussions about every time a ball moves, there should be engagement, mental engagement. It could be what I refer to as just a micro shift. You might move one step, but if a ball gets touched and moves as a goalkeeper, we're always engaged in what's next. How is it, is it could this ball get to me? Um, how do I need to engage in the next play? And I always found that catches up with you at the end of a game being like, whew, I'm tired. I only made one save and, you know, maybe only just did a lot of distribution, but speak to that a little bit as a professional, but also your experiences. Yeah. Some of those, I mean, some games you might not even touch the ball at all. And then there's going to be those games where you make numbers and numbers of saves, but um, that, that brings like the physical aspect of it. But like you said, like when it comes to uh, the mental side and just like make sure you're staying focused for that 90 minutes. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um because you never know that that one minute that the 
that 10 seconds could be even a game where where maybe you switch off and something you didn't tell a, a defender that they have a guy on their shoulder, you didn't tell, or obviously you didn't make the save. It, it could be even that. So um, I think uh, people who aren't, aren't goalkeepers won't understand it. Uh, the amount of focus and the amount of uh, just – the biggest thing would be that focus, the amount of focus you need to have for that 90 plus minutes. Um, you need to, you need to know, like you said, what's going to be going on, where the ball is going to be going. Um, and also making the game as easy as possible for the people in front of you. Uh, I think that's uh, one of the biggest things is can you anticipate something that's going to happen and um, how can you make it as easy as possible for those defenders? So they can pretty much be, the dumbest person on the pitch, but they got, they know what they're going to do because you're either communicating to them or you're directing them through uh, hand movements or anything you need to do to, to get them in the right position. Um, and in turn, by, by you doing that, you're also making the game easier for you. Oh, 100%. You know, in terms of, so you have to be in the right positions and in the right space and closing the space between you and your back three, your back four, whatever system you play. But by making it easier for them, we're, our goalkeepers need to learn that by doing that, they're, you're not just helping your defenders, you're helping yourself. Mm -hmm. And best game, uh, my, my, I had a goalie coach growing up, and he always said the best game you can have is when you don't touch the ball because you're doing everything right in front of you, whether that's your defenders uh, shutting them down or it's the communication that you're talking about. Uh, you don't always need to touch the ball to get the shutout. So, I mean, it's like I, I really like those games where it's you feel like you've done everything right and your defenders have done everything right to, uh, to get that result. It's interesting because I read in George's question, but I just want to throw something um, – I've been reading actually, I think I passed around a lot of, I think I sent it out last about mental fatigue yep. and uh, this idea of mental fatigue and how that affects performance. Um, obviously my background is in sports psychology, so I'm concerned with this, but I think that, um, have you found that as you've grown as a goalkeeper, your ability, your mental conditioning, so to speak, has improved so that you don't check out as often as maybe when you were younger, maybe there'd be moments where you're, 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 your concentration ebbs and flows doesn't necessarily check out, but uh, as you have grown as a goalkeeper, um, obviously there's a physical evolution, but um, have you gone through much of a mental evolution in terms of your engagement, in terms of your uh, being able to put off that fatigue and stay engaged? Have you noticed that within yourself? I think so. Uh, I think that comes also with obviously the amount of time you've become a goalkeeper, the confidence grows and, um, as you, as you, as you grow more and more as a goalkeeper, I feel like you get more comfortable and, uh, you, you, you know what to do in a certain scenario. So, um, I think that in middle school, I, or middle school and earlier, I wasn't always the guy that was focused for 90 minutes, but, uh, I think high school, I started to work on it and truly grow and, uh, college a little bit more. And every single time I've moved up, it's a little bit more that you, um, that you learn and it's just it just becomes second nature at that point because I don't I, I don't think I ever tune out into practice now where it's just like um in some in some cases when I was younger I'd, I'd take a practice off just because I don't know it's been a long day I had a long day at school or just outside factors but um yeah I think that mental aspect is huge because yeah you need that whole 90 minutes to be ready to go Mm, good, good. George. <clears throat> Mikey, just uh, wanted to kind of go back and, and again, it ties into what Billy's uh, just touched on, but um, what is the scouting report from, from you as a high schooler now, then you popping into college? And again, I was a part of your, your professional development plan last year and a little bit into this year. So um, kind of take us through your, your growth a bit in regards to your evolution to where you are today? So um, in, in high school, when I was getting recruited for college, uh, I was, I think going into my senior year, I was, I was definitely still well under six foot. Um, and you know, those, those big time division ones and all those big time schools are always looking for size, size, size. You know, he's not six, four, he's not six, five. He's not, even 6'3", like, we'll write him off. 
I remember one time I had to go to and a soccer tournament. You're talking to team midget goalkeeping here, except for shaking. <laughs> yeah. I get that. <laughs> I remember I had a uh, I had a a soccer tournament in the high school. It was a showcase, and this one coach um, that was recruiting me uh, told me to stand at my co- next to my head coach from afar. And as soon as he saw that I wasn't taller than him, he wrote me off. Like there was no longer any more contact from that school. Um, I ended up growing like five or six inches uh, my senior year, like after I committed, uh, which was a little crazy. Um, But definitely, uh, I think going into uh, that transition into college, I was, um, I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't, uh, there's definitely some still things I needed to work on. I was a little bit more raw. Uh, I had the technique there, but there's some little things I could always work on. Um, I think going into uh, from the transition from college to professional, um, as I said before, I didn't go to a school uh, that was like uh, Maryland. I didn't go to. So like uh, a lot of these coaches will um, write you off and will always when when you're going into a trial, you're always at the bottom of the totem pole. I think that's when um, when my work ethic kind of comes into play because wherever I've had to go, I've always had to kind of prove myself and gain the respect of people. I never came in with respect from, like, I, I never came in as, oh, he's that guy. Like, oh, I've always had to go and earn my respect and uh, kind of just show what I can do on the field. Um, but uh, I think that transition from college to pro to, uh, to professional um, – I, uh, we didn't get the results in college. Um, so that, that didn't help, uh, my case, uh, when they looked at the, on the paper. So that's when I had to go to these trials. That's when I had to go, uh, obviously I think AFC and Arbor helped that, um, a bunch for that little transition because I was able to, uh, um, showcase myself a little bit more against some, uh, some higher talent and, um, just little things and steps across the way, uh, but I was always, I, I remember after college, I probably went to about 10 or 12 trials and I, I got, I got a big fat, no, you're not, you're not good enough. You're not ready. Um, you're, you're a little raw still. Uh, we're, you're, you're one away. You're, we, we only signed a one from this trial. Um, but I think that mindset that I kind of instilled earlier that it's just, all right, well, I'm, I'm not stopping now. Uh, this is, this is a thing I always wanted to do. Um, and I don't want to ever be 50, 60, 70 years old and look back and say, Hey, what could have been like, that's, I remember having that, um, that conversation with my dad and I was, he's like, don't you ever stop right now? Just because you don't, you don't want to look back because he had that regret one time, um, when he, was looking back and about his professional career. He's like, don't ever look back. Uh, just, just go work your butt off and just see what happens. Just see what happens from that. So, uh, definitely after he passed, I think I, um, I, I kind of even went even more into like, like Uber focus. Like this is, this is what I want to do. Like just definitely because, um, I had that conversation with him and that conversation just drove me, I think. So, yeah, good, good. But what we really want to know is when you got to college, did you beat that coach that wrote you off? <laughs> that's the best feeling. I did. So that's, we, we, didn't, we didn't win a lot of games. I'll tell you that. We didn't win a lot of games, but that one we won, and I made sure of it. That's I'm the great. first guy to go and shake his hand after the game. And he had to look up to you. Exactly. exactly. I, I, I think Jeff had a question. Jeff, you, did you have something? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, Mike, are you 24 or 25 now? I'm 24. 24. So, 24-year-old Mike Novotny, would he be able to write a letter to 13-year-old Mike Novotny and would you say, change your club earlier and go to the big club or pursue a higher prestigious university? Or were you happy with the, with the pathway you took based on the number of opportunities to be a leader and carry a team and have all those growth moments without that 
short-term success as a youth player, and then now as a pro player looking back, that helped create you? What would Great you question, tell somebody Shiki. now 13? That's awesome I question. think that um, I wouldn't change anything, honestly. Like, that kind of shaped me into the goalkeeper I am now. Um, I, I think if I was – if I went to that – big time academy if like I didn't possibly get the amount of minutes I didn't get the amount of shots I didn't I wasn't that focal point in uh getting a lot of saves in in college or whatever and um I don't think that would uh I, I don't think I'd be the same keeper and I don't think I'd have the as bad as it sounds the same mindset as, as I do now um I've always like I I always worked my my butt off and I think that's a testament to the places I've been um, went to a lot of blue, like Eastern Illinois is a very blue collar, blue collar college. So it's, you work for what you get. You're not handed beautiful gear. You're, you're getting gear from five years ago. It's like, you're not getting all sunshine and roses, but it's, you, we work for what you get. And, uh, I remember my, my coach always said, uh, cause we get pizza after the game. He's like, you gotta earn your pizza. Like you gotta earn your pizza every game. Like <laughs> little things like that. Um, but I think I, I wouldn't change my path. It's, it's definitely one that's, I, I did, like I said, I, I didn't take the, the normal route, but it, it, I got here and I still want to keep growing and I, I still want to keep improving to, um, to, to make myself better and, uh, to make myself more solidified at this level so it's uh yeah and I'm happy to hear that because so often now in the youth game these young goalkeepers who are really good starters um, or starting their career very strongly they jump ship go to the big club and then split minutes and share all this time and, and half their experience yeah. and then burn out based on everything they've done. So I'm happy to hear that you're happy with the way your path uh, turned out. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. Like I think in, in club soccer, I, uh, uh, I did move up. Like I never went to an Academy, but I, I did end up moving up a year or two to play. But the biggest thing was I got minutes and um, going into college. Um, I didn't come in as a number one. Uh, initially they they initially were like looking for me to come in as a number two or the three and just kind of work my way in but after a uh after a good preseason and after a mistake by uh the first string guy I just kind of took my chance and I never looked back but it's um I think the biggest thing was growing up I got minutes and that's the biggest thing when you're a youth keeper is getting goal and get that experience of being in the game because you can't replicate you can only replicate that so much in a practice you know I think one of the other things Mike just having heard you you speak I think one of the other things that we don't appreciate for for kids is adversity you had some adversity and that's made you into the person you are now and we try and eliminate that adversity from from young people and as a result they don't develop the mindset that you develop um yeah so I think you've handled that adversity well and I think you've you've seen how it will benefit you long run. George, did you have a, a question to, to throw yeah, Mike? I, I wanted to throw up Mike because I mean, I, again, being a part of, uh, you know, Hartford Athletic and, and seeing his growth and, and seeing where he's progressed to and, um, you know, what would be the advice that you would give the the 13 year old Mike now that you've seen where the goalkeeping has gone and how you've played? And the reason why I say it like that is because obviously we have young goalkeepers that we're always looking to develop. So, what would be some of the advice in, in based off the experiences that you've had from like a, from, from a playing standpoint? I think the biggest thing is uh, keeping that ear open. So it's whether you're getting uh, constructive criticism from a coach or a player or, a lot, not, or like another goalkeeper, um, just not drowning that out. Cause I know sometimes at that age, I think uh, you, you're growing and you, uh, you kind of think you're, you're all that every now and then, you know, but, um, when you, the biggest thing, even now, like I always love getting critiqued. I think that's the best thing in a practice is just learning. And, um, I, I want to learn every day when it, whether it's something new or whether that's, um, how I can improve myself or something like that is, um, just looking back. I, I, I wish that I could go back. That's the one thing I wish I could do is just tell myself, at that early young age to just 
soak in everything you can just um, to make yourself a better keeper. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I know back when I was playing this, when I was developing in college, there was a guy, uh, Harold Saldana, a old Italian guy, played for Napoli uh, in the town where I grew up. And he would take myself and this other fellow and we train. And then I went on and I had a good career. And then as I was playing professionally, um, after the games, you know, there's always people hanging around. You always meet and greet, that kind of stuff. Harold would always be there. And I would always go, how, how you doing, Harold? And he would always tell me something. <laughs> he never said good game and walked away. He always had something. And I would always listen. Now, I wouldn't always do it, but I'd always listen. And eh, Harold said this. Yeah. Or Harold said this. Nah, nah, I don't do that. But you just keep it. An open air, as you said. That's 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 great. That's great. Um, you sure, you sure, you sure, you sure, Harold wasn't James Costellas? It sounds so familiar. <laughs> Harold was Harold. Harold was Harold. <laughs> Good, um, Mike. As you uh, as you think back on uh, your own career, uh, we we talk a lot about what what needs to be done for youth goalkeepers now. As you see yourself, but also as you see younger goalkeepers, um, what do you think would be a point of emphasis for goalkeeper coaches to really emphasize or perhaps train differently or uh, improve their work with young goalkeepers? What, what topic? I think uh, the biggest thing for me is what I always hear from George is uh, becoming the, the modern day goalkeeper. So there's no longer being a goalkeeper of just you're making the saves and you can just throw the ball out and you're, we'll see you for the next shot. It's uh, you're another line of defense and you're another way of attack too. So um, I think the, the biggest thing to learn at that age is just get your feet right. And uh, obviously there's going to be working on your technique and making that stuff sharp with your hands, but uh, becoming that modern keeper where you're able to distribute the way you want to and the way the coach wants you to as well, which is going to be the biggest thing. The ability to clip that ball out wide to uh, your outside wingbacks or the ability to start a counterattack to where you don't need to roll the ball out to a, a defender for them to start it. You can start it yourself. Um, I think that's the biggest thing nowadays It's definitely the – the evolution of a goalkeeper has grown to where it's you're no longer just sitting in the net. So um, the sooner you learn that, the better. Uh, and the ways you implement that in training uh, to make you better in the game. So, Mike, is there anything that you see, and, and we've had these discussions, the four of us around our, our proverbial roundtable, some things that you, would, you might see that maybe our coaches and our and our goal, young goalkeepers want to de-emphasize to work on the things that you emphasize. I mean, we, we have our opinions on some things that, um, you know, that seem to get emphasized that maybe just don't need that amount of attention. Um, I think uh, when, you're, when you're growing up and you're, you're a young keeper and you're trying to get uh, these, these young keepers into um, love in the game, I think uh, – some at the beginning part is more so about getting them to fall in love with the game uh, more. So sometimes uh, you sacrifice a little bit of technique. If they're making the save, they're making the save. So uh, there can be times when um, you're not, you're not making the, the right save for the long term, uh, but it's still, you're making it the save in practice. Or you're making the save in the game. It's that, that moment when um, you just kind of have to encourage them that, or um, just kind of congratulate them and keep them going and keep them, because especially at that young age, like as soon as you have a couple bad instances in a sport or something like that, you might lose interest and you might just say, I'm done. Um, but keeping, um, as a coach, definitely keeping uh, your players to fall in love with the game and whether that means um, – they're not always going to be making the pretty save, but it's, it's a saves a save, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, uh, I think some of my colleagues here, the three most important things about goalkeeping, yeah. the save, the save, the save. Exactly. Um, yeah. Bernie Watt, wherever he is. Yeah, um, yes, Bernie. Like, um, one of the things we've talked about with a couple of other coaches is kind of like a sport, well, what the literature refers to as sports sampling. In other words, not specializing at an earlier age, but rather sample, uh, sampling other sports. 
when you were growing up, what other kind of sports activities, whatever, were you involved with that you think may have helped you as a goalkeeper? I was a baseball player too. Um, and I, uh, I played baseball probably until eighth grade. Uh, and I was a uh, catcher, pitcher, shortstop and first base and it was in a house so it was you were able to move around like that but uh yeah I think that definitely helped me with um just reactions and stuff like that when I was a catcher so uh it always seemed like I, I wanted to be that my, my mom always looked at me she always was like oh you always want to be the guy that has the most equipment don't you uh, <laughs> but um Smart mom. But yeah I, Smart I think mom. that helped me with my reactions and stuff like that just and definitely like you said it's um, you got to find your love for whatever you want to do. So it's whether that's, you got to try and sample everything you can. If you're only playing soccer growing up and you hate soccer, I mean, what are you going to get out of that? You know, I mean, like you never know growing up, if you start playing baseball young that, Hey, I, I really enjoy baseball. It's, I mean, um, I think definitely sampling at that young age when you, when you have the chance to, and, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, the, I, more the better, I think, just to learn and just see what you want to do when you grow up. I yeah. was a, I was a catcher, as, catcher as well, and I remember in some summers, uh, probably 14, 15 years old, I would have baseball practice, and then I'd go mm -hmm. straight, straight to soccer. Uh, I'd just come home dirty and just nasty. It, just, <laughs> it was awesome. It was so good. And, and then when I went into high school, I had a, a – um, a classmate who was an equivalently good catcher to the point where I had taken some time and not caught and played, started migrating towards soccer a little in the summer. And he had developed as a catcher. Um, and my coach said, listen, I, I want you to play. Can you play third base? He wasn't happy with his third base. And I'd never played third. I always pitched, caught, played like uh, left field or something like that. And I said, yeah, I can try it. He goes, all you have to do at third base is stand even with the base and let the ball hit you. And then you can throw the guy out. And it was like that because it's a shorter distance to throw. And I realized that my reaction skills and my ability to sacrifice myself was basically what he was, he was after. And I just learned to play third base that way too. But I, I agree. I think anything that involves throwing and tracking a ball uh, and, and having to set in, in command is really helpful for being uh, mm -hmm. uh, towards the path of being a better goalkeeper. Definitely. Another thing I think when I think of a, a baseball catcher, and again, I, I was I was the hot corner, man. I was always third base. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think you know, just the is a bit of courage. As your goal, as your young kid being a catcher, you need a bit of courage. And I think as a goalkeeper, you know, there's a likewise component into your goalkeeping that there's a certain amount of bravery. You, you know, there's these other ten guys are going to try and get the ball. I'm going to get the ball and go ahead, try, try and stop me, and I'm going to get it. And I think that that transfer uh, mentally also takes place with that. Um, good, good. Um, is there is there anything? Okay, you're you're playing nowadays. Um, is there anything? If we said, okay, Mike, what are we going to do today? What do you pick? As in, like a goalkeeper session? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me personally, I always biggest things I like to work on uh, are my angles. So some sort of angle play, uh, whether that's just um, whether that's just a touch and a shot from the the corners of the of the box, or whether that's more advanced. Um, I think um, I always want to have something like that happen in a practice, just so I can sharpen those. And um, definitely, when you don't don't go a couple of days without working on those, you can definitely tell a difference um, from when you uh, sharpen them every single day. But I think. That's one of the big things for me, um, and just getting a lot of a lot of handling and just getting the the right technique there. And then at the end, there's always got to be some sort of distribution for me, um, whether that's with your feet, whether that's uh, working on a, a counterattack side volley or anything like that. You're just just working on little things like that. But I think those are the two biggest things I'd like to work on if if I had the choice to run a session. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay, Jeff, did you have something for Mike? Yeah, I'm going to give you a tough one, Mike. Um, three moments, club to college, college to NPSL, and NPSL to USL. Was there a particular part of the game in those three moments that you thought you weren't prepared for as a goalkeeper? 
based on the skill sets that you possessed going into it? Um, let's see, club, club to college. I think uh, the first thing for me in that was probably that first shot I got. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely was a, a little wake up call in practice. I remember, uh, I remember actually like to this day, like that first practice, it was on our backfield and uh, it was this, our senior guy. And obviously, of course, it's the hardest shot on the team. Um, and that's a little wake up call, but I remember that, um, that, that rung my bell a little bit and went right through my hands. So that was a nice little, uh, first one for that. I think, uh, definitely that moment of, okay, they can hit the ball a little bit more and it's not just going to be a nice little floating beach ball right to your hands every single time. Um, I think for me, uh, for college to MPSL, I think was the physicality of like some of those grown players you play against. Um, so in those games, when we played Detroit, I mean, they were ready to kill somebody. Um, and I remember uh, they had this guy that was uh, played professional for, for years and uh, just swearing and just, he looked like a rugby player and he was just ready to just truck you. Um, so I think like the little hits afterwards and, uh, on corners and just little cheap shots or things you got to get used to in those. Um, Cause those guys are, uh, especially at the MPSL level, there's, there's some older guys, uh, older experienced guys that are in that, in that level. And they, um, they definitely have a little, little things here and there where uh, maybe a cheap shot here, a cheap shot there. Uh, Games they sure. weren't concerned with your welfare. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I think, um, the biggest thing, the difference for me from um, MPSL to pro was uh, I think I noticed it most when I was at that preseason with the Timbers was the speed of play and just um, how quick you need to know if you're getting the ball, where it's going next. Um, yeah, like I felt like looking back at it now, I think I had a lot of time on the ball in college to just like pick out my pass and do whatever I wanted to do with the ball. Um, definitely now it's okay. If you get a pass back and you don't know where it's going, um, you're going to get chopped and they're either going to win the ball and score the goal or um, it might deflect off of them or whatever. But I think um, knowing what you're going to do next and just that speed of play was just, just a, that much higher to the fact where, uh, I remember I, the first couple of weeks in um, in Hartford, I had to definitely get used to that last year. Um, that was definitely one thing I, I needed to work on. And I think George could definitely say that is uh, I definitely grew into um, being a little bit more comfortable on the ball just because uh, you're at that level now. And it's um, as soon as you get exposed to that new level, you just want to keep improving and improving and working on that too. Yeah. experience is a great teacher yeah, that that's incredible because yeah. george george and i stayed in contact as you went to hartford last year from ann arbor and that was the first thing george said about you having to acclimatize to was the speed of play yeah 100 so, yeah Lado, do you have something yeah uh, uh story that relates to mike but then also a question back for him relative to this i had Last year, a freshman goalkeeper who had just come off winning a, um, a club national championship and comes into um, our first training sessions and he, he got lit up in about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, it was uh, that adaptation to this, not only the speed of play was quicker, but the demand that we put on players, but the pace of shots. And it was, uh, his feet were always late getting set in, uh, set or balanced into the ground and it just forced him to breathe. And you could see his frustration within 15 minutes of us being in the, not so much the, the goalkeeper training environment, but it was with the team. Um, and I pulled him aside and I said, what's, what's the problem? I wanted him to tell me what he thought the problem was. He goes, the game's faster and the shots are harder. I go, how are you going to solve that? And he just, he looked at me and I said, I want you to tell me how you're going to solve it. He goes, I need to just, I need to just adapt to it. 
Um, so I let him go back in and just, I said, you be, be patient with it. I said, you're, you're going to have moments where you're going to feel not competent for this level. And he evolved on to the end of the year being very, very good for us uh, in some moments where, um, where if it had been in late October, early November, he made some saves that he couldn't have made two months earlier um, because he adapted. So for you, whether this is club to college and let's make it club to college, because I think some of that, you know, like you said, the, the pace of the ball, what did you do mentally or physically um, to adapt to that? Um, I think the biggest thing um, for me was uh, accept that you're going to be making mistakes. Uh, so uh, my biggest thing is like, uh, if you're a keeper and you get on yourself and you, you keep your head down, you're gone for the rest of the game. You're gone for the rest of the practice. Um, and that's one thing that uh, I think is one of, probably one of the most tough things as a goalkeeper is just if something bad happens, you got to forget about it and just work on the next one. And I think that's um, if you have that mentality of, okay, well, I made a mistake, but next one, um, I'm going to keep my head on. I'm going to stay focused. I'm, I'm not going to lose my head. I think you can be a pretty successful keeper just because um, there's a lot of keepers now. That it's just um, once their head's gone, they can't even make a save, whether it's either, either a simple save or whether it's a, a tough one and it just gets it's just like a, a domino effect where it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse for the practice and uh what, what's that saying you always say george if a goal happens and we get a couple goals out of us, what what are we trying to do um where are you where are you going with that one again i'm trying to figure so, it out I, I, remind so, me again okay shooting drills we let up a couple goals and oh, stop the bleeding yeah. Stop the bleeding. <laughs> Stop the bleeding. Put some gauze <laughs> on it, man. Exactly. So I think that's the biggest thing. It's like you let up a goal, you don't make the save. Okay, fine. It's over. It's done with. Worry about the next save. Worry about the next shot. Worry about the next pass you're going to do. Um, and I think that'll be the biggest thing for me. Yeah. There's a concept actually in sports psychology called selective forgetting. And mentally tough people have been found to have this characteristic I had it, I didn't know it was selective forgetting. I just had a very colorful term that I would say to myself after a, a bad incident. But the <laughs> idea that, you know what, um, you know, you gave a goal, don't worry about it. I'll think about it after the game. But during mm -hmm. the game, I selectively forget certain things. Um, and I think that's a big help. George. Mikey, I'm just going to take what you were saying just a little bit step further because you were talking about how, you know, you got somebody that puts their head down and they're, they're having a bad session and, and it could lead up to a bad day and it could be bad days. The reality is at your level, actually, you might be turning over your position for the rest of the year. Yeah, seriously. The, you know what I mean? It's just like you're now provided another, uh, an opportunity for number two to step in there and take your job. So, um, you know, especially at this position too, where, <laughs> it's not where you can go play a different position. Like a center mate, can't, no. you can't move into a right back and you can't move a goalie to striker. I mean, I, I don't think so at this point, but. Uh, and you, don't get a, you don't get a couple of minutes here or there. No. Exactly. You're not, you're not coming off the bench. So it's, that's definitely a, a big point. But that's a good segue to this next. Now this is totally fictitious. I don't wish this to happen, but Hartford gets a whole bunch of COVID positive tests and we got four <laughs> goalkeepers. So Mike, look, you know what? We got, yeah, okay, I'm not going to move here, too. Um, but we got we got four goalkeepers. So, Mike, we need you to play on the field. Where do you go? Where are you going to best Or any goalkeeper would. I'm going up top. <laughs> there going top. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know what to do. I know what to do. Give me the ball, I'll score some goals for you. <laughs> nasty, nasty left foot, that guy, Billy. Mike wasn't foot. shy to score on his counterparts back in Ann Arbor. <laughs> My time you to know, shine. It's, it's funny as a as a goalkeeper. That's I think where we all wanted to play, 100%. but we're all probably probably better suited to play anywhere back. along the back four or play the six. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah, but you, where's the fun in that? You know? used to, yeah, exactly. You used to just seeing everything in front of you. Uh, forwards get headlines and big contracts. Exactly, uh, exactly. Maybe maybe that'll help me out in the future. You know. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Um, well, this has been great. Great. Do we have anything else for for Mike? 
Otherwise, as I said, it's been it's been really good, Mike. We appreciate your time. George has got something to. No, not a question. I just, I mean, listen. Um, for anybody that doesn't know Mike Novotny, I mean, this is this is why he's made it this far. And I, you know, having the opportunity to work with Mike, and I know Shifty feels the same way. Um, character and just unbelievable selflessness and and humility, and those three words for me epitomize you my friend and i'm just uh really excited that you came on today to, to share your experience because it's not the prototypical path you've, you've dealt with adversity from from your playing career but also in life and to me um again to, to call you up yesterday and on this short notice to get on here i just tip my hat brother and thank you again yeah, thank you for having me on. It was fun. Very appreciative. Very appreciative, yeah. Mike. This and has been you know, a lot of fun for us and hopefully a lot of fun for the people listening in. All right. To, George, to George's point, I think having, and this probably goes to our younger goalkeepers that are listening, and George used the word character. And if as a collegiate coach, if I'm recruiting and I have one spot and I want to bring in a goalkeeper and I'm looking at two goalkeepers and I'm like, man, these guys are both pretty equivalent, similar size, similar skill set, do the things that we want to do, call the coach, talk about character. And one coach says, you'll never have a character issue with this kid. And the other coach about a different kid says, you know, he struggled a little bit with this. He's, you know, he's been a little defiant. I'm like, all right, enough said, I'm, I'm bringing the other kid in. So I think for our younger goalkeepers and even for our younger coaches out there that are working with goalkeepers, um, develop develop character as much as we're developing the other pieces of our goalkeepers. Yeah, true. Actually, yeah, and then it just bounces back a little bit on Anson discussed that as well. Yes, the value of yes character. absolutely. Values. So, yeah, good, good. Mike, appreciate your time, man, and uh, you've given me a good reason besides George to follow Hartford Athletic, okay? <laughs> appreciate <laughs> Who's it. Who's next? It's been fun. It's been fun. Who's next for you guys? We play Philadelphia two this weekend on Sunday. So if we have one, we have one more win, and then we'll be in playoffs. So uh, hope we keep going from here. Yeah. Well, Philadelphia, yeah. you got to be careful. I think it's Marlon LeBlanc's team. Marlon LeBlanc coaches uh, Philadelphia two. Um, no, Is he the West Virginia coach? Yeah. What yeah. Was? Yep. Yep. That's him. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. All right, Mike. Appreciate your time very much. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed that episode at the Goalkeeper Roundtable. If you'd like to reach out with suggestions, comments, or questions, all of our email addresses are available in the show description. If you like the show, we'd love for you to subscribe to it, but also share it in social media platforms or with any other goalkeeper or coach who may find value in it. We hope you turn in to the next Goalkeeper Roundtable.